0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I'm joined by Will Mierden. How's it going tonight, William?
1: It's going okay, buddy. How you doing? Uh,
0: really okay. Uh, I feel like we're in the grind part of the season. We've got the end of week eight. Uh, we're you know, certainly into conference games and things like that, which is good. But I mean, our job just never stops. We're just here grinding away.
1: Absolutely. We keep on going. I feel like it's been extra grindy lately with the mid-season show we did, which was good fun, but there's just been a lot for us to prep for that and then the regular shows as well. And then we do have jobs in between that. So plenty to keep us busy, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. And you know, English Jess is away, so I've had a little bit more time on my hands than normal. And I know... There's one thing I am certain of, that when she returns, that time is going to evaporate. Yeah. So I was thinking though this week is that we need to plan another trip because it's now been a number of years since we've been to the States and on top of that, we did not get to Big Ten country and it appears at the moment that the Big Ten is probably the most entertaining conference in college football
1: at the moment. And a lot of tradition. I mean, that's what I really like about it. Like watching that Penn State-Michigan game, Yeah, the 100,000 that they had in there all dressed in white for the whiteout, that would be awesome yeah. to be part of. Yeah, certainly would be. Uh, on top of that… Madison's we- always, always one that they talk about every college fan needs to go to. Yep. I mean, I feel like any of those, uh, whether it's Ohio State, Penn
0: State, um, we would get to all of them, I imagine, Ann Arbor. Uh, we'd try and get out to East Lansing and go visit Sparty. And, you know, a trip to Big Ten country wouldn't be complete without going to Bloomington and going to see the Hoosies play. Anyway, I don't know if that's the case. Having said that, they're 5-2 at the moment and uh, wrecking teams in the Big Ten. Anyway, let's push on. I uh, do need to acknowledge a few people that have been in contact with us and I suppose we need to speak to them and get in touch with them uh shortly and and hopefully we'll have a bit of extra material around that as well um and we thank those people that have been in contact and some people from some really with some really cool backgrounds and some really interesting stories to tell both here in australia and
1: from the states as well yeah that's certainly our next uh battle is to try and get back with a few of these people and like even dom who's a a friend of ours friend of the show we need to get him on the show so that people can listen and get that firsthand. hand whatever it is, retelling of what happens over there because we've got our slant on it, but we, we probably need to start to branch out and get a few of these others on.
0: Yep, and lastly, I guess there's... Well, there's probably a couple of things just before we get into the juice and and the other parts of the segment, obviously. Uh, we've got to get to our game recaps and on the punt, the Aussies in action, uh, some helmet stickers for Will to give out as well um, and our abortions of bold predictions. But... Uh, but I do want to say I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Though. Hopefully, this uh, diatribe won't go for, for too long. But me personally, uh, it looked like winter took over a, a little bit. So that was cool. There was a bit of rain around. But more importantly, I personally believe that sport is far better watching when you're supporting a team. Uh, even if you're not particularly invested, like I think the Kansas-Texas game on the weekend, I was just watching, it was really exciting. I was like, mm, I'm going for Texas, I think. And then Kansas scored and I was like, well, maybe I'm going for Kansas. But I found myself becoming invested in a team as the game progressed. And sport's far better that way. You're invested in the highs and lows of the team, you connect with them and there's something quite almost primal, often emotional and regularly irrational about being a fan um, and whilst I feel like m- me personally, I've fallen away from the AFL game, and I don't support the Crows as much as I did. I don't care so much for, for Aussie rules. My fandom for both the Tampa Bay Bucks and Miami has certainly increased over the past five or six years, but I do not know if I can continue to go through disappointing season after disappointing season. The Bucs, obviously, not an NFL show, but this that's supposed to be the most – or the competition with the most parity in the world. And the Bucks have sucked for a lot of years and continue to suck. So, I, I, I mean, I can't keep investing in that. Miami have been – they've had one successful season in, in about 15 years and I do not know if I can, can keep getting up at 2.30 to watch the kind of crap that they put up on the weekend. So, I think for me and the rest of this college football season, I'm just going to enjoy college football. I had far more fun watching – Baylor, uh, Oklahoma State, and and Texas, Kansas, than I did watching Miami and Georgia Tech. So I, I need your help in this, though, Will. I need you to if you find me sounding impassioned if I'm talking about Miami this year, it's clear that my fandom I haven't been I haven't I'm not numb enough yet. And if that's the case, you need to pull me up and remind me that my fandom for Miami has waned this season, and I'm going to take a back seat.
1: Yeah, you're throwing in the towel in your fandom for the season.
0: Uh, I think so. I mean I can't keep getting up this early to do that and be horribly embarrassed and disappointed and it's just not it's not a good place to live in, I suppose.
1: Okay. So so I got a couple of things for you. Firstly, did you say you were going for Texas in the Texas Kansas th- game? Yeah, Who the I- fuck as an outsider picks Texas over Kansas in a close game, like everyone wants the underdog there, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I probably did when Kansas scored that two points, uh, uh, that two point conversion. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm all aboard this Kansas win. This is wicked. But I think I did quite like, I, I like. Okay, here's another example: Wisconsin. I probably wanted Wisconsin to win this week. I love an underdog winning. Don't get me wrong; I love the chaos, but I also love the big games. And Wisconsin, Ohio State would have been a bigger game next week. Yeah, I'm with you. On that if one. if they won, so whilst I love the underdog win, and I love the Illinois one, that it you do lose. I mean, you can't have it both ways, can you? So, yeah, um, okay, but yeah.
1: My next point. Uh, let's me help you by manufacturing some investment in these games the key to it is gambling a little bit more money than you probably should (laughs) on one side of it and it has an incredible power of really getting you up and about in it so if we are looking to say hey Miami you're on the back burner this year I'm I'm putting you to the shelf we're putting we're mothballing you yeah we don't necessarily need to pick another team. Let's just start getting some some of your hard earned on the line because you'll certainly be getting up to get around that. I know I do, and it, it works a trick. Well, I don't know if I can handle losing
0: as much as you. So as long as you give me your tips and I'll pick the opposite, obviously, then, then we should be okay.
1: Everybody wins. Yeah, exactly. Everybody wins. Exactly. All right. Except one of us. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, let's get into the juice this week. So what did you – think uh, was your biggest takeaway your biggest head turner this week in week eight of season
1: 2019 for mine there were a couple of things that I picked up on that I really really liked and it was in two games well I say a couple of things it was two passes two passes that really got me going this week both from Australian lads so we had Josh Groden at West Virginia on a fourth and four, complete a nice little seven-yard dunk there. Bang, first down. And we had Tom Hutton at Oklahoma State also on a fake, complete a nice lefty, bit of a dime out in space. that was good. 20-yarder. Yeah. Bang, couple Aussie boys up and about. Love to see that. I love to see them slinging the rock around because I don't think they would have done that growing up. Uh, Unlike, well, I suppose it would be like, you know, People joking around on the beach and stuff like that, but to see them doing that at the college level in front of you know tens of thousands is good fun.
0: Yeah, for sure. And there must be some nerves by the special teams coach when that gets called because it's like you know in America these kids throw the ball around. They have done it thousands and thousands of times. If you know, if not in the backyard, then even just at trainings, our guys literally like he may have thrown a hundred balls in his entire life, and yeah, he gets a crack but I know at he, in a game.
1: Like from the from the special team side, they live for it. Yeah oh, because no all doubt. they do <laughs> at fucking training is kick. Right. Yeah, you're either know, yeah. punting or you're kicking or, or holding. you're holding. <laughs> like, yeah, that's your job. Yeah. So the chance of a fake really just gets you rock hard. Like really up and about, and then they get their scouting reports for this week's games based on what the other team's D's doing. Yeah, And you'll often know in the lead-up to, oh, we've got a real opportunity to run a fake. Like this team sets up this way and we've got a fake play yeah. that in certain situations will do. So I know that they get excited about that, thinking, <laughs> oh, this is my chance. And, a, and for a couple of boys, they both paid off. So hopefully we'll see a bit more of it.
0: Or it didn't pay off for the Arkansas punter. <laughs> Which, oh
1: yuck. yuck! If you haven't
0: seen that one in the Arkansas Auburn game, what an absolute mess that was! It looked like a thirteen-year-old girl trying to shot put wow, uh, like a seven-kilo weight, like, and it just was,
1: didn't work. That was how I tried to explain it in my household. I was cacking and like, "What's funny?" And I was like, "Oh, he throws it like a little girl," <laughs> and the other half's like, "You can't say that." Yeah, well, nothing. A little daughter now, and I'm like, "Yeah, but if." Like it's you know what I'm talking about if if you explain it like that's exactly what it looks like and it's descriptive
0: yeah and it just I mean no offense there's some very good females who throw the ball well but this was not a hell of a lot better than us yeah but that was not an example of it and it was a classic moment I know we talked about it on the mid season review show things that make you giggle when players start overthinking things or they get out of system and they start just doing crazy stuff this punter clearly had thought a lot about what was going to happen and it just all went wrong.
1: Yeah, trick play has gone wrong is always a good one. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that is good. All right, for me, I think college football was the real winner. After a big slate of games last week, there was a chance this week could really fall flat, but that did not happen at all. There were so many interesting games throughout all time slots and it's not like they were just locked into the early time slots or just the late games. It was across the board certainly very interesting very engaging some big upsets and again this these questions around the top teams like texas like georgia like clemson and wisconsin were being asked and they're still there they haven't been answered yet certainly not in any kind of emphatic manner and as a result you've got this real turmoil in that top 10 for sure and certainly even into the top five which is fantastic because I, I just you know having invested so much in college football in the past, and then last year our first year on the podcast, it we didn't get that as much apart from the Ohio State Purdue game. We've already had more games that are more intense, that are more unpredictable, and that's what we love about college football. And it's here this year, and I'm I, I think that was a fantastic aspect of this week's games.
1: Yeah, uh, this whole season has been wonderful. We've we've really been. Lucky to date with what we've got, and I'm I'm just hoping there's more in store.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's hope so. I'm sure we will. There'll still be some crazy moments. There'll still be some Heisman moments. Um, so, yeah, the back end of season 2019 should be fantastic. Okay, lay down, Sally. Time. What do we reckon? Will? what was something that was particularly disappointing?
1: Okay, so whilst you're saying it was a great week for college football, it was a terrible week for the show. It, it <laughs> was just not good collectively for you, I, or the fans out there because we've had a stinker. I mean... My boys, Oklahoma State, got done quite convincingly in the end. Uh, so yeah. We were we were what four points up with eight minutes to go, and then we were eighteen points down with four minutes to go. <laughs> Fucking figure that out. <laughs> so they were terrible. We've we've heard about Miami and where you're at with them. They lost to one of the worst teams in all of the Power Five conferences, Georgia Tech, going through a tough transition. Uh, Not where you want to be. No. Uh, the show's team, Hawaii got no. pants by yeah. air force yeah uh with one of the craziest interceptions you'll ever see i don't know if you caught that one
0: uh i did watch the game i can't actually think which one you well
1: you'd remember this one because it bounced off a body hit a leg booted up the dude <laughs> grabbed it in stride down returned it for a touchdown it was yeah, incredible. yeah yeah uh on top of that we had our championship draft last week i picked uh Boise State, you picked Arizona State. Both of those guys got done. Uh, I had Michigan as an underdog, but I had them on, at the back end on the punt and that couldn't salvage the weekend for me. So it's just, it hasn't been good. I mean, to cut things off today, my Bears got done as favourites as well, quite convincingly. It's It's been a r- bit of a rough week for the well,
0: show. At least Tampa Bay had a buy that was the correct, correct. you're year lucky you dodged,
1: you dodged that bullet there uh,
0: for me can I pick Miami again no I think the things for me that are a little bit disappointing is the teams with question marks on offense still have those uh, Arizona State were disappointing offensively Georgia's passing game I know they played in a monsoon but they weren't good Northwestern was horrific Cow was bad Miami was bad None of them performed well, so that was a little bit disappointing. The second thing I want to bring up that is tough is, that, is being a defensive back. Geez, some of these guys make some really, really good plays. And you just assume if there's a one-on-one defensive play that a flag is coming out. And I saw so many times where defenders are not making contact or it's it's minuscule, it's not grabbing with the other hand, it's just putting an arm in between the receiver's two hands trying to catch the ball. Or contact comes at the same time as the ball arrives, and they just get fleeced all the time. It's just, you know, you could almost, if if teams are going zero coverage or they're, you know, certainly playing man on man on the outside, you could probably penalty, if you've got big receivers, penalty your way down the field. And it's just so hard being a defensive back and and it must suck.
1: Yeah, I I am 100% with you. It is my most frustrating. Part of watching football in general is the flags that are called for pass interference or not called or the inconsistency or the ticky touch or you know it, it's just all over the shop. You don't know what you're going to get, and it's kind of like a, a good AFL game where the less that is called, the better, more often than not. Like yeah. if it's blatant, yep, give it there. Otherwise, be consistent and just let it go. And yeah. and that's what you tend to get for grand finals. That's what I never understood about footy where the grand finals, they seem to just let them go, let the boys beat each other up, and then it kind of sorts itself out. Yeah. And then in season, you get these games that kind of come out of nowhere where you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, put your whistle away, you fucking idiot. Do you get paid I, for this?
0: Yeah, and um, I think it, it gets away from them, though. They don't even really realise it's happening. And don't get me wrong, officiating... Uh, Football, American football, is ridiculously incredibly. hard. It yeah. is incredibly difficult. There's a lot of sets of eyes. On top of that, you got a lot of camera angles, a lot of replays being shown. Uh, it's not an easy game to officiate, and I certainly wouldn't want to do it. But I just think some of the stuff they call and some of the phantom. Things that just appear with flags on the ground and holding penalties and you know late hits and and then yeah. not only that as a defensive back, this targeting rule is so so difficult. Oh you, st- you just
1: stand still. Like you literally just stand sliding. there. dudes yeah. run into you and yeah. you're toast.
0: Yeah. And and not only that, it seems like as an offensive player, it's you know, protect the head or neck area, but as a defensive player going for the ball, if you get clobbered, the same call isn't going to be made. And I know yeah. that happens less, yeah. but it's almost like they value the offensive health and safety more than the defensive health and safety. So yeah. I don't know. I've, I, and, and it sucks if, you, if you've if you got an enforcer, if you've got that big body in the middle, any big hit you make from the safety position generally or maybe at linebacker is just is just questioned straight away. And you almost can't have that player anymore because
1: they're almost a liability. Yeah, I think for on a pass interference front, I would enjoy it more if you were allowed to have contact. If you could do whatever you wanted, essentially without holding, I'm all for bringing it back. Let them be physical. You're just not allowed to hold, but outside of that, open it right up, and it'd be easy to officiate. Well, you look at Fry- Frymuth or whatever
0: his name is from Penn State, the tight end who caught the second touchdown on the weekend. There was a clear push off on um, Kaliki yep. Hudson, like uh, that was blatant. I don't know how that wasn't called. And then if it's the other way, it's that's definitely getting called. So yeah, yeah I don't know. All right. we've we've got a lot to get through, so we won't get stuck here for too long. But biggest overreaction of the weekend. Tua's injury and how big of an impact is that going to have on Alabama moving forward? Is the injury serious enough that he's going to see the sideline in the big games coming up, particularly against LSU, uh, Auburn in the Iron Bowl and then whoever they get in the SEC Championship game?
1: So he's been in for surgery. He's had successful tightrope surgery, which is uh, the same surgery that he had on the other ankle last year. I was I was reading about this. So they essentially kind of cut down the side of the leg and put in an extra little tightrope there to help stabilize the joint. Uh, and I'm going to go out there and say that this is a blessing in disguise for Alabama.
0: Okay. So the one of the Heisman – well, the Heisman favorite at the start of the year, one of the most statistically accomplished – Players in the last 10, 15 years, however you want to put it. Um, a
1: national championship quarterback. Losing yeah. him is beneficial. Correct. No one doubts his credentials. Everyone knows he's a fucking stud. Dude can play. But the timing of this just, for me, works out really well. So hear me out here. This week they've got Arkansas. Piece of piss. Don't need him. They could play their defense on O and their offense on D and I think they'd be Okay. <laughs> All good. Week right. after, they got an off week. Bye. Perfect. Rehab, recovery. The next week, they've got two options. They play him or they don't. And depending on where that is, they don't play him. They've got a backup quarterback. They've got an out. They play him. He's coming back from injury, maybe wasn't ready. Either way, they've got an out. They play LSU at home. They can drop that game and there's always going to be a little asterisk that they now have up their sleeve. They can lose this game to LSU, which is going to be their toughest game on their schedule, maybe Auburn later on, we'll see, but this to like comfortably to this point, they have an out now. That if they drop that game, as long as it's not Embarrassing if they keep it tight and lose, they then again I can see a scenario where they don't need to play in an SEC championship game and they're still going to the playoff because they've got this little asterisk. Our quarterback didn't play, our quarterback was hurt.
0: Well, it's a I mean, I don't think Nick Saban or any coach would ever say, Oh, yeah, let's let's have an insurance policy for a game that we may lose. Like, I
1: no, it's not deliberate. I'm not saying that this is something anyone would want to have. I'm just saying it's fortuitous that they now have this. Mm, so you think that as a coaching staff, that if if
0: two is 50-50, that they say, actually, no, don't play just in case we
1: lose. We've got an insurance policy. I think either way. I think play him or not, there's going to be a question mark. If they win, there won't be. They'll be like, yeah, he was fine. That was good. If they lose, oh, he wasn't 100% that's why we weren't able to do what we wanted to do. Uh,
0: I don't know if I'm buying that, especially if they go and put up points in that game
1: and then they still get out yeah. yeah. I mean, there there are a lot of factors to it, but I'm just saying it could be a nice, convenient little one for them where this is not a terrible injury. It's not season-ending. It's not going to wreck them. And they might even get a little positive.
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, obviously risky, but I mean, there's a lot of SEC fan support. There's a lot of SEC support in terms of getting two teams into the college football playoff so uh, a little bit of insurance there for them probably wouldn't wouldn't hurt uh Bama. but i mean i'd probably see them winning out anyway although there's enough hard games that they could drop one as well so and it's not like they're invincible okay interesting take there william bit spicy but okay let's head off to the vet this week yeah, let's go. What All have right. you got? What, what, I mean, what have you got for me?
1: So this week I have in this little cage here a uh, scratching, around, feisty fella. Squawking. He's uh, <laughs> he's been looking really good. He's been awesome. He's been. I, I've loved having him in the house. I haven't had to cage him up. He's just real, a little bit defensive at times, like super defensive. <laughs> yeah, of people trying to come visit my house, but. He's, he's just an absolute steady force on the ground, and I've been really happy with him until the weekend, where something happened, and I'm I'm worried. My badger is is not in good shape, so I, I need to get down to the vet. I need you to tell me what's wrong with my little whiskey fella here.
0: Okay, uh, nice take on the uh, on the the badger introduction. So Wisconsin obviously had their loss to Illinois on the weekend, and we'll get that into that a in little bit more detail. But what am I going to do with him? Am I keeping him alive? Is he completely broken? I am keeping him alive. Like I, we're not putting him down. Okay, he still has got all the pieces that you need. So he doesn't have the rabies. He doesn't have the rabies, no, but he can't get bitten again. However, from a national relevant standpoint, in terms of all the badges in the world, they're probably not relevant enough, or certainly not now in the top four most attractive badges. So, in terms of pedigree breeding stock, I think he's out. Uh, a loss of that kind of relevance or irrelevance, I suppose, as Illinois is. Is not going to bode well for the voters moving forward. Even if Wisconsin run the table from this point on, which we saw Ohio State do, uh, they couldn't overcome that loss last year uh, to Purdue. And the same thing I think will... Will happen to Wisconsin. Obviously, their run is still very good. Their defense is still very good. Jack Cohn, most of the time, is really, really solid. But there's a bit of a blueprint out on Wisconsin now, and a couple of turnovers, and this team looked a little bit vulnerable. If you can get that again, then I think they uh, that this this Badger may have run his last race. And with some big matchups coming, I. I I don't feel good about Wisconsin as a top four team at the moment, but certainly as a Big Twelve, as a Big Ten threat, yes. As an entertaining team, yes. Uh, as a bit of a surprise packet this year in terms of almost going undefeated, then that was a surprise. But in terms of a top four team, sorry guys, you are scratched.
1: Okay, there you go. Well, I mean they have an opportunity this week uh, to bounce back in a really really big way against Ohio State. So I think if they can win that one and then win their way through, that they will have enough on their resume that even with that blip, they would get back in. It would be similar to Clemson, the year they lost to Syracuse. It wasn't a very good Syracuse team that year, and they made it in. It wasn't. I, I would yeah. I would compare it to that. I mean, it's obviously going to depend who the other ones are, who's got losses, what yeah, that all I looks think, like. But I think right. with the strength of the Big Ten this year, if they go undefeated from here and win it, they're a lock. So, I don't don't
0: exactly know who else. I don't think. I don't know who else they've got. They've got Ohio State, obviously. They'll play in the championship game, which, if they beat Ohio State, could be Penn State. Could be a rematch with Ohio State. I don't know if they play. Oh, so they've played Michigan, haven't they? And crushed them. Smoked them. Um, Smoked Michigan State. So. Sorry?
1: Smoked Michigan State.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, you are needing a higher state to, you beat them and then they run the table. Penn State, you beat them and then they run the table, I suppose, and then you win the Big Ten Championship and then cross your fingers a little bit, I suppose, but uh, an interesting one. Anyway, we need to keep this train rolling. So game recaps, William, let's head into it for week eight And let's start in the Big 12. Baylor remained undefeated, but they needed a bit of a comeback to do so. Like you said, they scored a whole bunch of points late, but a really entertaining game. Uh, The score looks like a blowout when it it obviously wasn't, and and Oklahoma State dropped another one at home. I was really impressed with Charlie Brewer. I think he has got a fantastic throwing action. He throws a tight spiral, and his ball placement is really, really good. On the other side, Spencer Sanders can't stop turning the ball over. I think I read today that uh, Oklahoma State's got 12 turnovers in Big 12 play alone. So 12 turnovers in conference play so far is not good. He put it on the ground twice and threw a pick. Uh, My opinion of Matt Matt Rule only increased, and they get Oklahoma and Texas at home this year. So they've got a shot, and there's a lot to be excited about in uh, Waco. So I'm I'm looking forward to some big things from Baylor, and and I think they can actually solidify themselves as a top two team in the Big Twelve.
1: Yeah, they're, they're certainly a decent team. So they went into Stillwater and and got away in difficult uh, conditions on homecoming there uh, against Oklahoma State. So they were the better team on the day. They deserved the win, but the I I'm still probably not sold. Like I. Uh, Yeah, they're certainly in the conversation for number two, but there's a big gap between them and Oklahoma, from what I see. And the game on the weekend, they they played solid defense without being spectacular, but offensively, I mean, they kind of had a lot given to them. They they didn't have to work all that hard. I mean, Charlie Brewer, whilst he had a day, he only threw the ball like 17 times or something, which is more of an indictment on... Oklahoma State's defense than it is his old, I would say. Like 13 of 17 for over 300 yards is <laughs> is pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Oklahoma State are just turning the ball over, as you mentioned, at a rate that is not uh, in line with wanting to win football games. So yeah. it's it's disappointing. It's It's a, a learning year for a freshman. I mean, yeah. you, you kind of got to take your lumps with it. Unfortunately, against good teams, you're going to take a lot of them. And there's only so many opportunities you can give up and, and then you'll get done. And they seem to be digging themselves into that hole there. So looks like it's going to be a, a learning year, which is not what you want when you've got the weapons of a Tyler Wallace and a Chuba Hubbard.
0: For sure, and and the running games for both teams were really really good. Some huge plays on both sides, but it was the turnovers that were the difference in the end. Okay, Kansas head uh, down to Austin, and what a really really good game this was. Uh, it was a, it was a little bit slow to start, but then it went off in the second half. Both teams were trading blows, uh, and. Kansas has never beaten Texas in Austin. They go for it. They tie the game up at what would have been 47 all. So um, Texas are on 47. They score the touchdown, 46. Do they kick the extra point point? they go for it? Well, Les Miles decides that he is a bit of a, a crazy mad hatter, which he's kind of known for. Uh, he goes for the two-point try. The I don't know who the wide receiver was but Carter Stanley found him wide open in the end zone. And then with about a minute to go, uh, Sam Ellinger manages to drive Texas down inside field goal range and Cameron Dicker never in doubt, really, and just very cool, calm and collected and slots it for the Longhorns. And and they get out of town, but Kansas are, are playing really, really good football this year. Les Miles has been has got them playing some interesting, some okay defense, some better offense, and they're not an easy out like they were, Uh, and he has to get a lot of credit. In his first year, he has managed to take one of the worst programs to a team that is week-in, week-out competitive. Yes,
1: for sure, Uh, and and you know the key to their two-point play? They didn't roll the quarterback out. You know that one that you love? That
0: is 100% correct. They just sat him there. Did not roll that damn quarterback out. They sat him
1: there, got good protection, and let him just – Missile one in there to someone who'd sprung open So I think they were expecting the rollout Yeah, and why would you? That's my question <laughs> Why the fuck would you? Yeah, um, I mean the numbers are clearly there So yeah, I mean this is probably a really disappointing one for Kansas This would have been a huge statement win for them uh, Texas are really lucky to uh, escape with this I mean this is in Austin This is bloody unheard of for, for this to be the case So Literally yeah, no, no one wants that on their resume as a, a Longhorn player. You don't want to be the guy who get, kind of gets tarred with that because that's what essentially it would be. So they're lucky to escape with that. But as you said, good things looking up uh, in Lawrence, Kansas, and I'm yeah. happy for the Jayhawks.
0: <laughs> yeah, go on, Kansas. Uh, all right, moving along. Oklahoma destroy West Virginia. Nasuna Schooner destroys itself. Jalen Hurts had another five touchdowns and... Uh, they win this one comfortably, fifty-two to fourteen. Any key takeaways from this one?
1: I legit must have watched that video of the Sooner schooner rolling over like a hundred times. I fucking, I got, <laughs> I got, a real sad, sick satisfaction out of it.
0: I mean, I'm glad the
1: animals weren't hurt. I don't that care was, about the Yeah, I was so concerned much, about like, that too. Are the horses? No, the horses are all right. We're all good. <laughs> so now I can just giggle as those people go
0: flying. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, okay, Iowa State. Got up 20 to nothing partway through the second quarter against Texas Tech, and the closest the Red Raiders sort of got back into it was 10 points, which was the finishing margin in the end. Uh, Brock Purdy went off again, 378 yards, three touchdowns. They get a visit from Oklahoma State next week, and they look to continue to impress in conference.
1: Uh, How do you feel about this matchup next week with the clones? I mean, they're the the better traveling team at the moment. So we, we'll go in as heavy underdogs, never easy place to play Ames, Iowa. So I I probably feel more comfortable about playing the upset card at the moment as an Oklahoma State fan, like coming in without the expectation of winning because they've dropped a couple of favorites now. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Iowa State deserve all their recognition at the moment. They've They had a bit of a, a lumpy start to uh, begin the year, but things are starting to click for them now.
0: Yeah, and that Baylor loss, which they somehow lost, uh, could not be a good one as the season rolls like comes to its conclusion. They might have missed a trick there, but anyway, Kansas State beat TCU twenty-four to seventeen in a game that I could not care less about, really, if I'm honest. Two pretty mediocre teams, despite TCU's running back Duggins, is it, who went on a beast of a run, but
1: yep, that's let's, about it. Let's keep this rolling.
0: Okay. ACC play, UNC and Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech get out of this one 43 to 41. We go to six overtimes, but far out was it a hot mess as the teams combined for 22 points in six overtimes. That's less than four points for both teams in six offensive possessions, four points per in six offensive possessions, which is horrific um both kickers had two chances to win the game but each missed missing a total of four field goals we saw the new overtime rule come in where uh, from five overtimes you have to go for two every time it's just a one play deal that's all you get uh UNC missed theirs with Sam Howe getting tackled for a loss and uh then Quincy Patterson took it in for the Hokies and they win and uh control their destiny in the Coastal here a little bit. What? Which is kind of gross.
1: Get out yeah, of here. Five and, two, five and two Hokies.
0: I know. Making some Whoa. noise. They're so bad as well. All these teams are so bad. Ryan Willis got benched. Hend- Hendon Hooker, who was the backup quarterback and can't pass very well, came in and runs a lot. And Quincy Patterson passes even less. Uh, anyway, Um there you go. The ACC is still a mess. Anyway, moving on, Clemson overcome two really bad Trevor Lawrence interceptions where he just kind of ignored the fact that Louisville had a defense on the field and just threw it to someone as if there was no one else around uh, and they weren't good looks. But they win that one 45-10. I think the offense runs through Travis Etienne. He put up nearly 200 yards on the ground and the Tigers look so, so much better when he's moving the ball on the ground effectively. And Trevor Lawrence can get those one-on-one matchups on the
1: outside. Yeah, I think he's just getting bored, starting to challenge himself a little bit. That's that's the vibe I'm getting from young Trevor. So I'm not too worried about them. That's a commanding victory as expected.
0: Yeah, against the Louisville team that was supposed to, well are improving, but they're still can see that with them against the measuring stick in the conference they've got a long way to go. BC go with a winning formula and that's giving the ball to AJ Dillon. 34 carries, 224 yards, three touchdowns against NC State and the Eagles also score on defense to run away with a 45 to 24 victory. Uh, not too much to take away from the this game in particular. An all-time low for Miami as they lose to Georgia Tech in overtime. The Canes were outcoached again, missed field goals of 25, 27, and 34 yards, which all would have won the game. On top of that, Georgia Tech scored on a fumble recovery in the end zone, a fake punt passed for a touchdown, uh, a fumble in the end zone, which they threw forwards, and somehow it was called incomplete. There was a whole bunch of weird stuff. But they win that one 28-21 and it reminds me, Manny Diaz, and I'm not going to get impassioned here, but Manny Diaz reminds me of, you know Van Wilder, the movie?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm familiar yes.
0: You know his little like Indian sidekick that he gets in? Yeah, And he's like, I really, really really want to have sex. Like I, I want to do all this stuff to American girls and all that kind of stuff. But he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. That is Manny Diaz. The girl is the Miami coaching job. He was like, yep, I want to do this. Like I've I've dreamt about it my entire life. This is what I want. And then he's sitting on the bed or she's laying on the bed and he manages to set himself on fire. And that is exactly what's happening at Miami at the moment. Anyway, Pitt beat Syracuse 27-20, to 20, uh, moved to 5-2 and 2-1 two and two and in conference. Syracuse having a disappointing year. Virginia bounced back in a big way with a commanding win over Duke 48-14. Wake Forest beat Florida State 20-22. Well done to Wake. But I've never seen a season where the two so-called powers in Florida uh as bad as what they are maybe the 1970s was kind of going back this is historically bad for these two programs 1970s we're looking at jesus i'm i'm guessing i don't have any data on that just yet but i don't think the season's getting any better for these two ball clubs well, in fact yeah i mean it was
1: before we were born too so we just you know anything back then could have been yeah best, so exactly i believe you
0: uh i Okay in the Big Ten so a lot of interesting games to get through here so I'll let you start on this one Will Penn State go into battle with Michigan in the whiteout as we said at Beaver Stadium and Penn State get out 28 to 21 after jumping Michigan out of the blocks what were your thoughts on the Nittany Lions and what are the positives that Michigan can take out of this one
1: yeah, I mean, Nittany Lions really got out to a good start, didn't they? And, and that was kind of, I thought this was done at halftime. I was ready to pack it in. I thought that they were the much better team from what we'd seen so far. Defensively, they were preventing Michigan from doing anything, really. The atmosphere looked as if it was getting to them. Like, I, I figured I would know the direction this game was going early on. It was going to be one of those ones where Michigan, it was going to click and they would look good or we were going to see more of what we had seen. And I need to kind of remind myself if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's probably a fucking duck. <laughs> and, and that's what Michigan are, right? Like they, yeah. they are undisciplined, they... Don't execute very well they drop footballs they kind of go missing in big moments and especially in the first half that's what we saw yeah like they were just really bad they had i had opportunities and it was either thrown into the dirt in front of them or it was catchable but not in a perfect spot so they put it down there was a lot of that sort of shit and the atmosphere was there penn state were pressuring them you know credit to them don't take away from that but Michigan needed to do something to take the game and they couldn't do it at that point uh it did start to turn for them in the second half so it was quite an exciting match down down the stretch it really kind of got going and you started to see a little bit more but it was just all too little too late uh, they, they did get an opportunity late in the last to tie it up uh, on a fourth and three or something like that pass over hit the dude on the numbers through his hands ronnie bell dropped would be tying touchdown didn't he and then i think he could sense my disappointment because he was bawling his eyes out (laughs) on the sideline and i was kind of like i shouldn't be glad but he'd cost me a serious chunk of cash so i was kind of like well at least he understands
0: yeah, well, I mean, I don't think he really cares about you so much and your mm. financial woes, but I think there was some real positives from Michigan just staying with them. I think Shea Patterson in the first half, he was sketchy in the pocket. The pressure was getting to him. Herbie kind of summed it up pretty well in the broadcast and said that he's quick to come off his primary read and as soon as that first read's taken away, he's dropping in his eyes, looking at the pass rush and then getting himself in trouble. In the second half, that didn't happen so much. Michigan's offensive line settled down a fraction. Um, Shea Patterson started making a few better decisions. There was still a lack of creativity on the offensive side. Uh, I think they could have done a little bit more to try and put some pressure on Micah Parsons, and, and the linebackers and maybe a little bit more misdirection, something to get their eyes moving uh, and try and get some reset. Because Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples-Jones were making catches mostly and a lot of them were contested. But uh, on top of that, you had um, Charbonnet at running back. He's a good young running back from Michigan and did some really, really good stuff. And I'd say that Michigan probably won the second half uh, and really controlled the game. Penn State... Their entire offense ran through KJ Hamler. I don't really know what they're doing in the running game. I expected more out of Noah Kane, but they just didn't give him the ball. Uh, And James Franklin appears to just be a little bit unsure about what's happening there. But credit to Michigan, I didn't expect them to show the resilience to come back into the game. But Jim Harbaugh still can't win these big tussles, tight games that mean so much to the program and the fan bases.
1: Yeah, another one where our weekend didn't go well where you thought that they were going to get creamed and be shit house, and I thought that they would win and we kind of got neither.
0: <laughs> okay, Wisconsin get caught potentially looking ahead to a higher state. We've sort of dipped our toes in the water on this one a fraction, but they get pipped by Illinois 24-23. Now, with under three minutes and the lead, Jack Kine throws and pretty bad interception to Tony Adams at midfield. Illinois get just enough out of the run game and kicker James McCourt... Gets put in a good spot and he splits the uprights, never in doubt. Uh, 30.5-point dogs, the fighting Illini, they get a signature win. Lovey Smith and that stomp and beard have got to feel really, really happy. Uh, Some vindication for his hard work over the last three-ish years now for him. Uh, I didn't really see this coming. I mean, offensively, Illinois were not that great. They were bad on third down. They were out gained in yardage. They completed just nine passes on the day. They were averaging four yards a carry. Um, so none of the stats offensively looked that great. And on the other side of that, their defense didn't exactly hold the Wisconsin run game or pass game in check. So... If you look at this, if you look at the box score, I don't really know how um, Wisconsin lose this game, but the only score that really matters at the end of the day is the 24-23 scoreline, and
1: and that's the one that's in favor of Illinois. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, turnovers are a bit of a killer here, so they uh, had a a couple of lost fumbles, uh, and then obviously that late pick was just the dagger through the heart that was ultimately their undoing. This is college football. This is what happens. This is why we love it. Uh, no one saw the 30-point underdogs here getting it done, but it happens. It happens every year. Hell, we saw it last week even. So I love this shit. I'm, I'm disappointed it was, <laughs> it was this one because I, I really would have liked to see, you know, an undefeated Wisconsin go in and face up with Ohio State. But... I think you're right in saying that they were looking ahead at that, this game and it, it caught them off guard.
0: Yeah, and it just shows that apparently in the Big Ten this year, you can't lose concentration because if you do, you'll fumble and then someone will beat you. So, And there's a lot of teams in that kind of range. Illinois now have shown that they can beat a team. Minnesota obviously can. Indiana are going okay. Iowa are always tough. Purdue probably, meh. Maryland, meh. But a lot of the other ones, there's no easy game. So, Anyway, speaking of Minnesota, they do what they need to do to get past Rutgers 42-7. As long as they don't take Maryland lightly, they should be undefeated heading into their tilt against Penn State in a fortnight, and that will be a good matchup, I think. Yep. Iowa beat Purdue 26-20. Now, whilst Iowa did score more than one touchdown... Their offense is in real danger of just nuking the Hawkeyes season completely. Iowa had to settle for four field goals that against a defense that ranks second last in yards allowed in the Big Ten and concedes something like th- over 30 points a game. So, oof, I think I ad- are set to have a couple of letdowns here at the back end of the season. Maryland's season continues to go in the tank as they lose to Indiana 34-28. And Ohio State crush Northwestern. On Saturday, fifty-two to three, and Northwestern's offense—surprise, surprise—can't do anything. Ohio State look really, really good, Um, and they've got Wisconsin next week. Yeah, they look every part of the best team in the country. (laughs) You're gonna keep banging that drum, okay? In the SEC, LSU roll Mississippi State thirty-six to thirteen. The Tigers didn't get the value on the ground that I thought, but Joe Burrow had a big game regardless. we talked about on that mid-season preview, there are teams with a weakness. Wisconsin probably have one. I don't know that it's an easy one to find with LSU at the moment.
1: Agreed, yeah. They're, they're very good. Joe Burrow, wasn't his best game, wasn't his worst game. So it was exactly what you did not predict. Thank you for that. Again, we know it was a bad week, all
0: right? <laughs> Let's not rub salt into really the wounds week. here. Oh, it's getting worse here because Florida doesn't have – Things all their own way against South Carolina, um, but put in back to back tough games and and get out of there with a win, thirty eight to twenty seven. It did take three touchdowns in the last quarter. Um, from Kyle Trash to get away with this one, but a really mature performance by the Gators. And I do have to give them credit here because they lost Zaninga and Grenard were out on the, across that defensive line. They lost to LSU. They had another road game. They were down in the last quarter. They faced Georgia next week. They had every reason to let this one slide and they didn't, they fought their way back into it. And that says a lot about a team. So well done to Florida, Georgia beat Kentucky. Total of 52 passing yards in this game between both teams. DeAndre Swift was the difference in this one. Very wet. It was very wet. Auburn cruised past Arkansas with a sweet fake punt interception, fifty-one to ten. Alabama beats Tennessee, thirty-five to thirteen. We've already spoken about Tua's injury. Vandy hand Missouri lost twenty-one to fourteen. I definitely didn't see that one coming. Um, but a ranked Missouri team will drop out, and now they've got some really good wins this year, Missouri. But they've got losses to Vandy, one of the worst teams in the Power Five, and Wyoming.
1: Yeah, super disappointing. Uh,
0: yeah. Texas AM are unconvincing in their win over Ole Miss 24 to 17. We are blitzing through these. In the Pac twelve, UCLA beat Stanford 34 to 10. Didn't see that one coming. Washington State finally get things on track against Colorado 41 to 10. Oregon State are going to become bowl eligible. They beat Cow twenty one to seventeen. Go Beaves. Yeah, they're on their way. USC destroy Arizona 41-14 to 14 and appear to be in control of the Pac-12 South. So this goes against my prediction again at the start of the year. Utah beats Arizona State 21-3. Uh, the, probably the, the couple of key takeaways from this one. Zach Moss breaking the school rushing record, which was impressive. Tyler Huntley gets nicked up but returns to the game. The Utah defense was sensational. Bradley Anaya, uh, Micah Tafua. Uh, were really really good Arizona State's offensive line are terrible Jaden Daniels after pumping him up as one of the best freshmen of the year struggled completed only four passes and that is the first game since 2008 the Sun Devils haven't scored double digits in a game which was a string of 125 games wow there you go so that was quite impressive the other big matchup, and I think this was probably one of the best games of the weekend, was Washington and Oregon, who were looking slick in their all-white unis and silver helmets. They looked shit hot, um, and that was a fantastic game. Oregon came from 10 points back and win this one 35-31. to 31. I need to eat a little bit of crow here because I was really impressed by both quarterbacks. They looked oh, – we finally got the game out of Justin Herbert that I was hoping for in a big – contest where he needed to play well he did Um, Jacob Eason was maybe even better than Herbert was but he misses the fourth down throw to end the game and he probably would want that ball back because he didn't really give his receiver a chance but a really really good display Um, of offensive football and probably a little bit disappointing that neither team could play much defense.
1: Yeah, both of the boys showing off their NFL talent, so they'll be happy with that. And Oregon continue to press on. There's still a kind of sneaky outside chance here to make some noise towards the end of the year. For sure.
0: All right, other games just really quickly, particularly for ranked teams. SMU were really good against the Temple team. So they look just plain good at the moment and they win that one 45 to 21. Cincinnati beat Tulsa 24-13. Memphis crushed to lane, which I did not see coming, 47 to 17. And your boys Boise and BYU do battle and the Cougars come out on top of that one in an entertaining game with both teams starting quarterbacks out. Uh, Boise got down too far. They probably needed one more possession. They didn't get it, and the number fourteen team in the country is no more. Oh, that was quick! Actually, just there's one other team that I do need to mention in the Big South. The Campbell Fighting Camels win again, and they're undefeated in the Big South. Oh, so that their only loss this year is against Troy. There so you go. We're all aboard the Campbell fighting camels since Miami fucking suck. All right, is there anything you need to take away from any of those games, Will? No,
1: that's great. You've done well to scoot us home there because we were dragging a little bit.
0: Okay, Uh, Aussies in action will take us through the boys performing on the weekend.
1: Oh, I thought I was giving out helmet stickers, but I can go. I can adapt on this on the fly here. Oh, we geez. we have a number of guys who had really good weeks here, so I'm going to try and be quick. Uh, Dane Roy. Well, actually, first thing is worth noting: our boy Max Duffy has dropped his number one spot. Oh Jesus! I know. Uh, and of all people, he's dropped it to. It is unfortunately Braden mann so he's made his way back in and our boy max duffy's dropped all the way down to number four so he obviously had a, a bit of a quiet weekend uh, day on the weekend, he still leads. Especially in the wet condition. Yeah. Wet conditions probably didn't help. Tough out, but he still comfortably leads in the net yardage. But the, uh, the, the total yardage that we're looking at here, he, he's dropped below uh, 50. He's at 48.2 now. And he trails uh, Oscar Bradburn as well, who's, who's moved up into three. So of the guys who did have a good weekend, we had Dane Roy at Houston, who continues to impress. Uh, They had a good win over UConn, uh, 24-17. He had six punts at 47.5 yard average, so he's stringing together a few nice games. Blake Hayes did his part in the miraculous upset against Wisconsin. He had five punts at 46.5 yards. Uh, Cody Grace was excellent again. Five punts at nearly an average of 50. So he's he's been in some hot form too. Uh, Xavier Suboch at App State in their massive win. They're still undefeated. They're, uh, yeah, they are. They're, they're charging. Doing really well. He had four punts at 48.3, which is elite numbers. Uh, a player of the week this week is James Smith at Cincinnati. So in their big, big win over Tulsa, he averaged 49.3 yards, on his four, so that's enough for him to get the nod this week. Uh, Michael Sleep Dalton, who is uh, formally putting up big numbers at Arizona State last year, has had his biggest day of the year with four punts at an average of forty-seven point three. And Ben Griffiths out at USC has uh, made his first mark since starting there uh, coming across from the Richmond Tigers so he had six punts at an average of 44.3 and I only expect those numbers to grow for the big fella so you can expect to see some impressive stuff from him uh, and then obviously on top of that we had both Joshie Groden and Tom Hutton passing and completing first downs for their sides yeah,
0: we've got some future quarterbacks. Okay, sorry for ruining the order here for you, Will, but now you can get into your helmet stickers. Got some awards to give out for this week. Yeah,
1: you've thrown a spanner in the works, but... Oh, I mean, how are you ever going to cope? I know. I, lucky I'm so good at this, eh? Really, really starting to get <laughs> it down. Uh, Shane Bouchelle at SMU has been a yeah. big factor uh, behind their rise to prominence. He had a huge day uh, completing 30 passes for 457 yards. Yards and six touchdowns. He did have the one interception in there, but most of the guys did this week. Cole McDonald again in their disappointing loss to Air Force, airing it out four hundred yards and three touchdowns, uh, and then a couple of Big Twelve quarterbacks in Sam Ellinger and Brock Purdy both went for over three hundred and seventy-five yards. With Ellinger having the four touchdowns and Purdy three. Uh, Running the ball, A.J. Dillon, as you mentioned, a personal favorite of mine, just workhorse, 34 carries, 223 yards, three touchdowns, love that stuff. Uh, We have Brendan Knox at Marshall uh, in there come-from-behind victory over FAU, carried the ball 23 times for 220 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Travis Etienne only had the 14 carries and still managed to rack up 192 yards, which is huge. And a big reason that Kansas were able to hang with Texas was Puka Williams he had 25 carries and 190 yards uh, and a couple of scores so that's really really good work there catching the ball this week was reggie roberson at smu so he had eight catches for 250 yards and three touchdowns he's got to be in the top part of the country now he's oh almost going to be leading absolutely that's uh, that is insane uh, kenneth gainwell at memphis had nine catches yeah. for 203 yards and two touchdowns and he's a running back <laughs> Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And then we had Gabriel Davis at UCF who's yeah. been really impressive this year. He also caught a couple of touchdown passes and had 164 yards.
0: Well, there you go. Uh, just one from me. Uh, I do need to mention Evan Weaver again. He had 21 tackles for cow. I just assume there's no tackles left for anyone else, but uh, he knows how to find the football or at least the person with it. Okay, bold prediction time, Will. I'll let you start because mine is a dumpster fire again. Uh, Take us away. Yes,
1: I was big time blue. I was really riding the Michigan upset this week. I was hoping that it could just kind of deliver me glory on all fronts and instead I get disaster and heartbreak. Well, I don't know if it's that bad, but I didn't get it right. And if you're going to go back and in these ones that aren't all that bold, it, it hurts even more when it does get <laughs>
0: well I went really bold and said that all the teams with an S are going to win and I got two actually I really only got one the other one game was where San Diego State played San Jose State so I had to get that I got one so Stanford lost Syracuse lost South Carolina lost SMU won South Florida got creamed by Navy Uh, so sorry to Trent Schneider and the Bulls there Southern Miss lost as well so tough sledding for those teams starting with an S maybe I'll pick I don't know. Jesus Christ! Jer- jersey no. colours or something next <laughs> You week. could
1: have gone the other way, and I probably would have given yeah. you on that one. That's that's <laughs> a bad miss, my friend.
0: Yeah, swing and a miss. Uh, oh, I've got nowhere near it this year so far. So I need to. I need to go back to the lab or and, and see if I can figure something out. Okay, uh, quickly take us through on the punt, Will, because I know it wasn't successful at the end of the day. No,
1: it was. It was. We made some money this week, so oh, okay. it, it, it's good to be back making money, heading in the right direction, not having to withdraw more cash to top up the account. Uh, this week, we did collect on uh, – boston winning as an underdog so we took them straight up and and they won quite comfortably which was nice we had clemson uh i think it was minus 24 so they they cleared that one uh nice nice and easy for me i think midway through the third so i was feeling good about that then it was all just down to that michigan game so if that had got up i, I kind of would have would have been looking pretty but it didn't happen <laughs> Uh, and I did get greedy. Like, if I had taken the points there, then we could have taken a nice little win. But fuck it. Let's shoot for the stars here. I'll, I'll back myself in here. And uh, the, the plus 2.7 this week takes us to a, a total of negative 16.1. So <laughs> there is some shooting that needs to happen. But, hey... You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't make. Uh,
0: well, what are we I've heard that as well from you already. So what are we halfway through the year? So it's all up from here. If you can just write the ship oh no. across the back end. Oh no,
1: we can go we can go down from here. Don't worry about that. <laughs> don't you challenge me.
0: <laughs> okay, that brings us to the end of a uh, slightly emotional, probably a little bit philosophical, and more than action-packed week eight of college football for season 2019, as always here at at the podcast please make sure that you do hit us up on twitter or on instagram at cfb down under make sure you tell all your friends or your family about us and really continue to build the show for our australian listeners our american listeners or from people listening from all over the globe as you are and and we do think very highly of you and thank you for your support and please leave those five star reviews on itunes and make sure you uh, subscribe to the show as well That went at a rate of knots. William, is there anything else that you think we have missed?
1: No, we're on to bigger and brighter things this week, my friend. We're going to bounce back as a show.
0: Okay, (laughs) bounce back as a show. Oh, geez, I hope so. Uh, All right. Well, on behalf of that guy over there in the wee Adelaide Hills and for myself here down on the plains, my name's Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time.